This morning, we're going to talk about the Father's heart. And I have a couple of quotes uh, about dads this morning. The first is, a dad is the anchor upon which his children stand. Fathers are men who dare to place the world's hopes and dreams in their children. The value of a loving father has no price. When a father speaks, may his children hear the love in his voice above all else. Dads share wisdom with their children in the hopes that they spread it throughout the world. And the father's love is eternal without end. So as we, as we have, have listened to all of those quotes, just think about our father, God. He's the anchor upon which we stand. He dared to place the world's hopes and dreams in our hands. His love has no price. He wants his children to hear the love in his voice above anything else. He shares his will, wisdom with us in hopes that we spread it throughout the whole world. And his love is eternal without end. I want you to know this morning you have a loving father, a loving father. And with that thought in mind, I know a lot of times when we come to certain points in our lives, and it really doesn't matter if you're younger or older, because uh, I've experienced it at all the stages of my life where you just question, you say, God, what is going on? God, is this all you have for me? God, I don't know what I am doing, and I don't know where you are, and I'm just trusting that you are what this Bible says you are, because I'm really not feeling it, and I'm really not seeing it, and if this is all you have for me, then I don't know what happened, <laughs> right? We all have those questions, but today God wants you to know that he is here to answer those questions. He is here to let you know that he hasn't forgotten about you, and you're still in his hand, and everything is still all right, amen? Not long ago, I was asked the question about salvation. Like, when did you get saved? And to be real honest, I don't remember the exact experience of being saved because I was a young child. And um, I know the date because I have it written down in my Bible. And I know the salvation uh, road, like through Romans 10 and 9, the experience of confessing with my mouth, believing in my heart, um, that God raised Christ from the dead and he was born of a virgin, right? So I know that I am saved, but I don't have I don't have the awareness or remember the experience of being saved. So how do I know? Ruth Graham was asked that question too. When did you get saved? She said, I don't know when the light turned on, but I know the light is shining. <laughs> right? I know it's shining. So we know because of our fellowship with the Father. We know because we hang out with him that we listen to his instruction, we follow his instruction, we've accepted his love, we've accepted um, the sacrifice of Jesus and what that does for us, amen? So that's how we know that we are his. And he reminds us in those times where we question, he says, I still got you, you're still mine. And he'll, he'll just send us little messages through coworkers, or through the radio, or through the television, or through something you read. I still got you. You'll have what we call a coincidence, and it'll be, it'll be a message. I, I didn't forget you. I heard you, right? Why? Because he's our heavenly father. 
And today I come to you speaking as a person, and I, I know how it feels to be fathered really well. My father was an excellent father because he uh, had had another child before me and he didn't get to raise her. So I think I got all the benefit of that. <laughs> so he just loved me, loved me, loved me like, like nothing, no other. It, he's the standard by which I compare every other man, to be quite honest. <laughs> and he's really, really missed. So I think God allowed me to have that experience because he knew the life, the path my life would take and that I would need that kind of physical, tangible, loving father to be able to trust him throughout all of the things that I've had to go through. But right now today, I want you to know, even if you did not have a father in your life, God is waiting right here and he's knocking at the door of your heart saying, trust me, trust me, trust me. I am trustworthy. And all he wants you to do is just accept that he's a trustworthy and a loving father and just go ahead and begin to follow his instructions. Because if you feel him pulling on your heart, if you know that you need to accept him, then you can hear his other instructions as well. <laughs> so when you hear those other instructions as well, go ahead and follow those and just see where that path takes you and see how you'll get closer and closer to him and how you'll understand more and more about how you're supposed to live in this world according to his kingdom principles. Amen? Okay, amen. Now, um, one definition of a father is, is not only just the progenitor of human life, which fathers are, but it's also the originator of an idea or a system. So we call a father people like Sir Isaac Newton, who was the father of physics and the law of motion. Galileo, who was the father of astronomy. Albert Einstein, who was the father of relativity. Horace Mann, who was the father of the American public education system. Hippocrates, who was the father of modern medicine, right? So these are all examples of father. We say, who is the father of such and such, right? So all of these men are known for changing the world through their discoveries and, their, and the cultivation of their ideas. So all of these people had great impact in our world globally. So not just in their little corner of the world, but the whole world has benefited because of Hippocrates, because of Einstein, because of Galileo, because of Horace Mann. So let's think, how does our father want us to impact not just our corner, but let's start there. But how can our actions and our obedience impact our generation and generations to come and generations to come and generations to come? What we have to do is trust that when we obey God, even if we don't see the results, then it still has an impact farther down the road. Hebrews 11 says these people died in faith, not seeing the promise that they believed, but what a great impact they have had on our lives, right? Amen. Amen. Jeremiah 1.5 says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. 
Now, Jeremiah was one of the prophets who said, I'm too young, I don't know what I'm doing, and this message that you have given me is too hard, and nobody's gonna wanna hear it, and I really don't wanna give it. <laughs> but when he tried to close his mouth, he said the word was like fire, and I couldn't hold it in. I had to let it out. And today I'm declaring that the word of God will be like a fire to you, no matter where you go in your workplace, at school, and wherever you are, that the word of God will come up in you and you will feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit when he says, tell this person that, give this person that, do this for this person, go here or don't go here, do this or don't do that. And it will be so light to you, it will be so loud to you that you would not be able to resist it, amen? Amen. You might be saying, Mm, I don't know how to be a father. I don't know how to be an originator of an idea. I don't know how to impact the world. I don't know how to do any of this stuff. Well, God knows you don't know how. That's why he's called you to do it. He's given you the equipment to do everything he's called you to do. And we do have biblical examples of people who didn't know what they were doing. And God fought for them, right? So what we have to learn is that experience is not always the best teacher. The word says that wisdom is the best teacher. Well, how do you get wisdom? You observe what other people have gone through and you gather that information and then you choose to apply that information as needed. That's what wisdom is, the correct application of wisdom that you have, of, of information that you have. So Proverbs 3 and 13 says, blessed are those who find wisdom those who gain understanding, for she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. Wisdom is more precious than rubies and nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand and in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways and all of her paths are peace. She's a tree of life to those who take hold of her and those who hold her fast will be blessed by wisdom. The Lord laid the earth's foundation. By understanding, he set the heavens in place. By his knowledge, the watery depths were divided and the clouds let drop the dew. My sons and daughters, do not let wisdom and understanding out of your sight. Preserve sound judgment and discretion because they are life for you. They are an ornament to grace your neck. Then you will go on your way in safety and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet because you've lied down in the wisdom of God. Amen? Now, some of our examples of people who God had called and they didn't know what they were doing are found in Second Chronicles. And uh, I'm going to start actually in Chronicles 13. I know in the board it probably starts with uh, chapter 15, but the whole point is to get to Jehoshaphat. And the whole point is to let you guys know that your generation, generationally, things are, are passed down. Now, those things are, can be positive, blessings are passed down, and struggles or challenges are also passed down, right? So in Second Chronicles, if we go back to chapter 13, there's a king over Judah, and his name is Abijah. And he fears God. He reverences God. And his whole kingdom is blessed. His time as king, he's just blessed, blessed, blessed. And so he lies, he dies and lies with his fathers, right? 
he uh, feared God. He relied on God to win battles. So he has a son. His son's uh, name is Asa. This is in chapter 14. The land is at rest when Asa becomes king because of his father who feared God. So Asa reaps the benefit of his father blessing the Lord. And so there's, there's just peace, peace, peace during Asa's reign. Um, Asa also feared the Lord. And when surrounding uh, enemies came against his kingdom, he sought the Lord and defeated, Judah defeated his enemies. But then after that battle, Asa was tired. So sometimes even when you win the battle, you're, you're exhausted. You've, you've exhausted all of your resources and you're tired. And so this is what happened to Asa. He was tired from the battle. So God sent Asa a prophet to bring him a word of encouragement. And the prophet told him, as long as you are with God, then God is with you. Don't be afraid. And Asa took uh, the word to heart and he was encouraged in the whole country. He brought the whole country together and swore on an oath to follow God. And then they had peace for 20 more years. And then in the next chapter, 2 Chronicles 16, Asa is faced with Israel coming against him because the kingdom was divide, divided at that time. So Israel said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take over Judah. But instead of relying on God, he decided to use his political prowess to, to defeat Israel. So he consulted with a neighboring king to help him win the battle. He trusted in man instead of trusting in God. And the Lord confronted him again through a prophet because the Lord had grace on him. <laughs> he didn't want to just kill him, you know, let him die. So he gave him a warning. And Asa got so mad that he put the prophet into prison and began to abuse the prophet because he had got drunk with power. He forgot who he was serving and who had put him in place. And at the end of his life, he got sick. He probably had something like diabetes or something. He says he got sick in his feet. And you know how if you have a diabetes, a lot of times you'll get sick in your feet. And he still didn't seek the Lord. And he died. And he had a good example. But he became drunk with the blessings. We wonder why God doesn't answer our prayers and just give us the blessings. Just give it to us, God. Well, maybe because we might get drunk with the blessings. And forget the God of the blessing, right? Remember, our focus has to always be on God. So after Asa died, his son, Jehoshaphat, became king. Jehoshaphat seized the ways of his father. He said, hmm, now when I was little, everything was peaceful. But then when my God forgot God and started playing the political, political game, then everything fell apart. So he says, this is what I'm going to do. He said, all you people come together and all you leaders come together and I'm going to send you out to all the villages and you're going to teach the law of God to all the people. Teach the law of God to all the people. And eventually the people came together and they said, oh, we swear on an oath. We're following the Lord. This is what we're going to do. We're going to follow God. So the whole country, the whole land is following God. But you know when you're following God, what happens? challenges happen. The enemy comes against you, right? So three enemy forces came against him and said, we're going to defeat you, right? So he's like, Lord, what are we going to do? They outnumber us. It's three to one. We don't know what we're going to do. He said, this is what we're going to do. He said, everybody, men, women, children, everybody, we're coming together. 
We're going to fast. We're going to pray. We're going to seek God's face. And so the people, all, not just the men, all the people came together and they fasted and they prayed and they sought the face of the Lord. And just like it's true to God, what does he do? He sends a prophet. And the prophet says, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. This battle isn't even yours. It's the Lord's. Now, Jehoshaphat had an opportunity to obey the prophet and prosper or to look at his circumstances and say, three armies there, one army here. How are we going to do this? <laughs> okay, got three armies there, one army here. We got to fight. I don't know. I'll go. But we're scared. We'll make a plan, but I don't know if this doesn't if this doesn't work. We're just let's make another plan to turn around if we find that we're being defeated. Let's let's prepare just in case this doesn't work. We're gonna go around this way. We're gonna run back home. Let's let's prepare. Let's. Let, I know what we'll do. We'll consult our friends, our allies, and we won't tell them. And then we'll have three or four against their three. That's what we'll do. We'll prepare. We'll make a strategy. And God's on our side. He said, don't worry about it. But he gives us, you know, he gives us good sense. He gives us good sense because, you know, that's why he gave us a brain. So we need to make a plan. He, he, he expects us to make a plan. But what did God say? He said, don't worry about it. The battle's not yours. It's mine. So what Jehoshaphat did, he said, okay, we're going to trust God. And we're going to prosper. And we're going to praise God before we even get in the battle. So he told the men, the men, the men, the men, he told the men, not the women, children, he told the men in his camp to come out in the front and to say, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. That's all they said. Praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. That's all they said. Praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. That's all you need to say. Praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever because he knows what you've done. Praise the Lord because his mercy endures forever when you didn't obey. Praise the Lord because his mercy endures forever when you messed up with your children. Praise the Lord because his mercy endures forever and then God fought for the people they came to the place to fight because at that time they had appointed places I'm gonna meet you on the hill or so and so so they came to the place to fight and the people God had sent so much confusion among the other army that they started fighting amongst themselves and killed each other so all they had to do was say ah look at God <laughs> and go in and collect all of the good things that the other army had, all their weaponry, everything they needed. They just went and collected it and took it on back home. The word of God is the battle is not yours. It is his. Believe the word of God and his prophet and you will prosper. Amen. That's the word of God this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So no matter what your past has been, no matter what challenges have fallen upon you, because we all have them, they're called iniquities. That's another word in the Bible 
for that. Those human challenges, just because you're human, God says he takes away our iniquities. He puts our sin as far as the east is from the west. Amen. That's a benefit of knowing him. Hallelujah. And God has shown us that he is father. He's given us other examples through these seven different points. God is our provider. We can trust him to be our provider. Deuteronomy 2, 2 and 7 says, For the Lord your God has blessed you in all the work of your hands. He knows you're going through this great wilderness. He knows where you are. He knows you feel like you're in the wilderness. For these 40 years, the Lord your God has been with you. So no matter how long you've been in the place you are, God is with you. You have lacked nothing. If you are here today and you have eaten in the last 24 hours and you have clothing on that is not revealing your private parts, you are blessed. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> you are blessed. You have everything you need. All right. God is our protector. Psalms 3, 1 through 5 says, uh, oh, Lord, this is David. He's running from his son. He says, how many are my foes? Even my own son is against me. Many are rising up against me. Many are saying of my soul, there's no salvation for him. But David says, you, O Lord, are a shield about me. You're my glory. You're the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to you, Lord, and you answered me from your holy hill. When I lay down, I awoke again. Why? Because you sustain me. So when the enemy is against you, he's chasing you down. He's chasing you down. He's chasing you down. No. And people are saying, oh, they're not going to make it. Mm, I don't know. I don't know about that. They're not going to make it. You're going to lay down and you're going to rise again. Why? Because the Lord sustains you. Amen. Amen. Don't believe the enemy. God is our defender. Psalm 10, 17 and 18 says, you listen to the longing of those who suffer. You offer them hope and you pay attention to their cries for help. You defend orphans and you defend everyone else in need. God is our defender. God is our teacher. Psalm 25, 12 to 13 says, who then are those who fear the Lord? He will instruct them in the ways that they should choose and they will spend their days in prosperity and their descendants will inherit the land. Psalm 32, 8 says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. And my favorite, Isaiah 30, 19 to 21, people of Jerusalem, people of life church, you don't need to cry anymore. The Lord is kind. And as soon as he hears your cry for help, he will come. The Lord has given you trouble and sorrow as your food and drink because of your disobedience. But now you will again see the Lord, your teacher, and he will guide you. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, you will hear his voice saying, this is the road. Now follow it. Amen. God gives us examples of mentorship. Um, the Apostle Paul to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2 says, you have often heard me teach. Now what you know, church, what God has already taught you, tell these same things to followers who can be trusted to tell others. This is what our pastor is teaching in small groups. Tell others who can be trusted the word of the Lord to tell others and to tell others, right? Amen. 
um, in Exodus, this is a long passage, but they ha you have the story, story of Jethro and Moses. So Moses was appointed by God, right, to be the man. He's got to lead all of these people. And he is exhausted. Father, sometimes you get exhausted. You got, I got to lead these people at work. I got to lead these people in my house. If you're in ministry, I got to lead these people in these groups. And Lord, sometimes I just, it's just too much. But what did God send? He sent Moses' father-in-law. God will send you help. He'll, if you ask God, he'll send you help. And you got to obey him. And Moses' father-in-law said, now, why are you doing stuff this way? Now, we got to humble ourselves, church. We, we can't think we know everything. When God sends you help, listen to the help. Listen to the help. All right, so Jethro says, okay, all these people, this is too much for you. You need to appoint people who are, you know, can lead and put them in over smaller groups. And so those people can deal with all the small situations and only the big situations will come to you, right? And so Moses did that and he had some relief. All right, so all of you who feel overwhelmed in, that, in those kinds of situations, seek the help and then follow it. Don't try to do everything yourself. You're not God, right? Amen. <laughs> Amen. All right. God has given us examples of leadership in Second Peter. We have everything we need. God has given us everything we need to live a life that pleases him. It was all given to us by God's own power when we, when we learned he had invited us to share in his wonderful goodness. God made great and marvelous promises to us so his nature would become part of us and then we could escape our evil desires and corrupt influences of the world. We have everything we need for life and godliness. And he's given us an example. He told us to be imitators of God, Ephesians 5, as beloved children and walk in his love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. So God has been our ultimate father. He's shown us how he has been defender and protector and teacher and leader and example and provider. And he's given us the ability to do all of those things through his spirit. So fathers, especially be encouraged. Be encouraged that God has given you a great example and we appreciate everything you've done and just trust him, trust him, seek him. Tell your family to come together. We're going to fast and pray and we're going to seek the Lord and God is going to show us what needs to happen in these situations. And he promises he'll be there for you to give you the answers you need.